Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If somebody is walking out of a hospital or a hospice or the police are knocking on the door with a sudden death and they are not being signposted that amazing charity, that amazing support system that is perfect for them, there can be catastrophic, life-changing circumstances that happen to these. So that was my light bulb moment. Welcome to Grief Encounters with me, Sasha Hamrog. And I'm Venetia Quick. We're a weekly podcast that looks at an issue that affects us all and yet remains so difficult to talk about. We'll be chatting to guests from all walks of life on the subject of death and all that comes with it. Our main aim is to motivate, comfort and create a modern space for people to share their own experiences. Could you think of someone that could benefit in listening? Tell them about Grief Encounters out every single Tuesday. On this week's episode of the podcast, we're speaking with the beautiful, lovely Linda Magistris. You might know her as an actress from Grange Hill, but she's gone on to found the Good Grief Trust, which is a very important resource based in the UK. We spoke to her while we were in London, all about her story and why she's so passionate about grief awareness mm. and and helping people get through that really difficult process. Yeah, no, and also like when you think about last week's episode where we were talking all about planning funerals, mm. I think what Linda is doing and has done is probably the most practical approach to grief mm. that we've come across mm-hmm. by basically creating a website with all these different areas. So whether you lose a, a spouse, a sibling, a child, a parent, mm-hmm. you know, there's a section for everybody. And it's so like even when you're in the throes of grief, you can find yeah. the bit that's that's geared towards you. And I think what came across so much better as well is she was so, I mean, she's done tremendous work in the UK with grief awareness mm. um, and I think what comes across is she's just so driven Oh she really is and Linda lost her partner Graham, um, and that really is what kind of made her see why this is so important and help to go and help other people with it. But just like you said, Venetia, it's incredible because it's the kind of website it's the kind of resource that you can send somebody to very very specific information that they might need yeah so losing a child is very different than losing a sibling losing a sibling is different than losing a partner and mm. so they're all so different and to be able to go somewhere where you're getting the exact kind of help that you need is so important and also their social media channels are really really great places to go because i think if you follow them on facebook or instagram or twitter they just they put up all this stuff that i think really speaks to people so definitely give them a follow and have a look at what they're doing mm. um and here's our chat with linda Our 
guest this week is the founder of an incredible charity and resource for the bereaved. It's called the Good Grief Trust. And Linda Magistris um, established the charity in 2016 after her partner Graham passed away from a rare form of cancer just two years before. First of all, Linda, you're very welcome and thank you for agreeing to come on. How did you and Graham meet? What's your backstory? Well, thank you for inviting me on. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so Graham and I worked together back, oh gosh, 1978, 1979, nearly 40 years ago. Well, pretty much. Um, So I was in a programme called Grange Hill. Mm -hmm. I was one of the original cast members. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We didn't know this. (laughs) Blast from the past. So yeah, I played a character called Susie literally 40 years ago. Frantically Um, Googles. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with, you know, Todd, who played obviously Tucker, who's actually one of our patrons now, which is brilliant, and loads of the cast are. So yeah, so Graham was one of our directors and he, you know, directed a couple of episodes. We worked together for a few years and then he went off and um, did incredible work. He won a BAFTA. Um, He did 30 years of just amazing, brilliant TV. Mm. Then he went to start um, started directing and um, writing a bit more. Mm. So yeah, so then 30 years um, after Grange Hill, we happened to be locally. I was living in Wimbledon. He was living in Putney. Weirdly, never met. And um, suddenly I heard my name being called and I just thought, oh my gosh, that's Graham Fixton. Mm. Um, and we went for lunch and we were together for eight mm. years and it was amazing. Mm. Um, so when he did die, um, yeah, I really, really struggled, really mm. struggled. He died, as we were saying in the intro, from a rare form of cancer. What sort of process did that take from discovering he had cancer to the till yeah, he passed away? Yeah, it was really difficult, particularly for him, because he had a year of his left arm going really numb and everyone misdiagnosed it. Mm. So GP missed it, everybody missed it. And he was literally being um, discharged one day from hospital. And they said, well, have you ever had an MRI? And he said, no, in his shoulder, which was ridiculous, because that's exactly where they found a tumour there and mm. then. He then went through some awful tests um, and again, they couldn't really help at that point and they thought maybe 18 months two years he had but sadly five and a half months later mm. um, he died and so we went to the Royal Marsden who were incredible and other obviously hospitals but um, yeah so he really struggled he didn't get to have chemo because he was too weak had a mm. blood transfusion so it was all it was quite quick at the end but um, yeah he was he was very dignified and very mm. feisty mm. Um, as he always was really the thing mm. about those when people are sick that I feel isn't talked about enough is that that's really hard to navigate because you've never been through it before you know for a lot of people they have never dealt with a cancer diagnosis and all of a sudden there's misdiagnosis and hospital appointments and what does this mean and what does that mean and oftentimes mm-hmm. the doctors don't actually have a lot of answers um, they don't really <laughs> no, know a lot, yeah, a lot yeah, yeah exactly yeah. they do I mean the carer, um, which I obviously turned into, needs to be supported as well, mm. which is what I realised. So he was the one obviously being cared for and all those appointments and I was juggling different at the end, sort of medical equipment and everything that we had to do. But I remember only ever being asked once by one nurse in the hospital, are you OK? And of course, I've just burst into mm. tears. But there wasn't anything after that. And I think that was a real shame mm. because I think I could have been taken aside and supported individually. And I think that carer mm. really needs oh, to be looked yeah. after because I... 
afterwards, as we know, mm. you know, they go to their GPs, they go to the hospitals with so many different mm. types of illnesses and aches and pains that actually could have come from that grieving process before someone's died as well, which mm. is really, really key. And I think that's I think that's true, just the whole I mean, my husband was five months as well. So I don't think you really have the time to sort of let the news sink in you just go into overdrive whether yep. it's just like keep working keep the kids going keep him going just keep the show on the road basically um, yeah. I sort of think that like as well what you're saying about the support you don't let it sink in so it's only sort of towards the end that you actually go this is happening and then you don't have enough time to actually learn to deal with it yourself. So after the person then dies, you've all that on top. Massive mm. guilt, massive burdens that mm. you're left with exactly. You've got to deal with all that. And and the process as well, which we talk about at the Good Grief Trust a lot on the website, is the process of um, just before they die, you know, how the GPs deal with um, all that information they give them. And I mean, I remember once when Graham and I were out for dinner and a GP phoned him and used terminal for the first time. And, and you know, I mean, Graham had never really experienced accepted it and his GP just threw it into the conversation so right at the end it was really difficult for him to actually accept that he was dying so again you're trying to navigate around the hope and mm. what, what do you do? Do you offer them hope mm. or do you actually come out and say actually now is the time we really it's need to, to It's so it? difficult, yeah. really difficult and I understand why the professionals really find it difficult as well and I, you know recently I was on Sky News because there was a, a report from the Royal College of Physicians all about how difficult it is for those doctors to have that language mm. but we do have to be honest because later as you say the guilt and the burden of actually Mm. not addressing it and not saying Mm. the things Mm. you want to say because perhaps you didn't know they were going to die and and that's the thing I think my sister and I struggled with both our parents was my sister was like let them believe that they're going to live don't and I was definitely that we have to have the conversations we have to be real we Mm. have to um, and like there's validity in both of those things but what's missing is educating anybody in mm. that space yeah. mm. to talk to them about as carers okay this is a good approach or maybe try a mixture of the two where you're kind of letting it in a little bit but not too heavy handed so they don't get scared give you a choice mm. give you a choice I think I feel that sometimes you know we're on a conveyor belt mm. and, and you're just given the next bit of information mm. next, and as you said you don't really get the time no No. we need more time to actually sit down and have someone hold your hand and walk you through it and I think in some ways especially with all life so the distractions that are generally going on or could be going on or whatever you don't get the chance to talk about it with each other either and especially if with the with cancer and you don't necessarily know there's no time scale yeah. particularly that you don't sort of go you don't pencil in sort of Saturday at seven we're going to have the we're going to have <laughs> yeah. the conversation yes. about yes. X Y Z I mean as it happened we had the conversation the night before Martin died so really? it was sort of mm. completely bizarre that that happened yeah. but we actually spoke to a doctor uh, who was a family friend because we needed answers and not this limbo of maybe yes might possibly mm. we'll see down the road which doesn't help anybody yeah no I wasn't ready like I, was, I was so not ready mm. and Graham wasn't really ready mm. um, and so we had different help in place which again um, you know pros and cons of all that at home um, so yeah to have had that conversation somewhere um, early on mm. that you can both feel as though you've said exactly what you really wanted to say mm. to each other because suddenly he was gone and, mm. and I just went into shock mm. you know as I'm sure you know many 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 well, people do and yeah. you don't just live in this no. for, at least for the first year in this sort of bubbly yeah. sort of 
not what's like you don't know what's going on really. no, yeah, no. and there's other things I mean immediately sort of three weeks after he died my voicemails which I'd kept and mm. treasured because I wanted to listen to them and mm. even at the funeral I said oh my gosh you know I've got his voicemails and I can't wait to listen to them three weeks afterwards I played them in a car as I was just going along and I thought right okay this is fine I'll listen to these and they were wiped and I hadn't realised that they'd yeah. been wiped oh, um, and so we now give advice on the website again, you know, think about those things because if that voice you don't even have on a mm. on an audio or you don't have it on any video, that person's mm. died again. But I think, mm. Linda, you're bringing up something that has come up so oh. many times, mm. voicemails. So we are living now in a time where voicemails are really quickly deleted by people or by the system yep. and the, whatever. Yep. So the same exact thing happened with my mom and they were all gone and... <sighs> Like that pit in the bottom of your stomach. Oh my I can gosh, never the hear sick these again. Feeling. Yeah. And I think if there is like honest, like lo- logistical advice yeah. as to how to keep them. keep them, yeah, that's brilliant. Absolutely, mm. have it in that booklet. I mean, this is why we've produced the Good Grief card, which is mm. a little plastic card that we hope will go across the country, um, because sadly, those bereavement booklets that you get are not comprehensive mm. and they can't be kept up to date. Yeah. A piece but of paper also, can't you're not be ready to. To take it no, in, you're not. so really, it's going to be one of your friends, or exactly. somebody who's doing it who for you, who can take that over for you, yeah. exactly. And that's so so important. Mm-hmm. Talk us through. Obviously, you have gone to do really great things in Graham's name because this is so important what you're doing. And then the grief must have been quite difficult for you to decide that this is something you wanted to do. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided this was something and what led you to it? Yeah. Well, as I say, I found it crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. My head went to a weird place. I felt like I was actually... My my dad had died 19 years ago and my children were young and I don't know, maybe I was at a different stage of life. I absolutely adored my dad and I was devastated but it didn't have the effect that it did with Graham. Maybe he was similar age and I thought, oh my God, you know, this is life, this is death and suddenly someone hits you over a head with a hammer and tells you to wake up Mm. and I used to just shout to the sky, where are you? Mm. And I couldn't get it. I just didn't understand. Mm. Where was he? It was crazy. I couldn't Mm. process it at all. So I would literally just sort of feel as though I was floating on Mm. air, detached, you know, just away from the world, watching everyone Mm. go ahead. It was like, what is going on with my mind? And so when I went to the GP and I actually blurted, obviously offloaded this, I really didn't feel as though he understood at all. And I was given one leaflet for a big national charity. I wasn't um, uh, entitled to it in the borough that Mm. I lived, so I had to pretend I lived in another borough. (sighs) You know, I slept up there sort of four times, uh, once a week, and I had a clock on the wall and I had a glass of water and it wasn't the best environment. No, not for me. I mean, yes, it works for a lot of people, that counselling thing. But for me, I needed a cup of tea, a warm room. I needed time. Mm. It wasn't good. So anyway, I went went back to my GP who really couldn't help. He couldn't Mm. offer anything else. And what I didn't understand, he didn't get the impact. He Mm. didn't get where I was, that I was going crazy. Mm. Um, So then I went out and I googled and I found an amazing charity called Widowed and Young and it was specifically for people who'd lost a partner under 50 and I thought, Mm. big national charity, why didn't anyone know about it? Went Mm. back to my GP, had no idea. Mm. I thought, hang on a minute, what do you mean you have no idea? Mm. This is mad. You should have that resource in front Mm. of you. So I then literally made appointments with all the CEOs of all the charities 
charities. I started working with different people in partnership groups. I worked with the NHS. I piggybacked on a programme they had on palliative care. I visited all those hospitals and I looked at their bereavement packs and those bereavement managers were saying, well, we only have about five or six numbers here. Some of them, sadly, when I phone, were out of date because you can't keep them in. And I just thought, if somebody is walking out of a hospital or a hospice or the police are knocking on the door with a sudden death and they are not being signposted that amazing charity, that amazing support system that is perfect for them, there can be catastrophic, Mm. life-changing circumstances Mm. that happen to these. So that was my light bulb moment. I thought, no, hang on a minute, we need to do this. Mm. And I think because I spoke to so many different people in so many different areas who'd lost a child, a partner, a parent, sibling, friend, and they all, well, not all of them, but the majority were not signposted to help Mm. that they needed on day one. And I think... As a nation, as a culture, we had this sort of thought that you can't sort of offer someone something very early on because they're too sort of, you know... Well, it's uh, it's six months down the line. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, no, 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 on day Mm. one, Mm. we just have to just offer them a choice Mm. of support. Tell them that their support net is there when and if they want it. If they don't want it, absolutely Mm. fine. We're all completely different. That's the whole point. So that was where I thought, no, an online resource, get it together. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for a safe haven to express how you feel, share articles, photos, and memories of your loved ones, join the Grief Encounters Facebook group, a place for support, compassion, and empathy for those grieving. But before we say anything, I just want to say that is absolutely incredible. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not like when you're in a difficult place mm. to be able to channel that passion that's fueled by the, the grief in, mm. in ways, but it's, it's remarkable change can happen. So that's pretty mm. incredible. But I think even for the families or because I know from my point of view, like all like my friends and Barton's friends, whatever. I mean, most of them were just like, they didn't know what to do. Yeah. And they, like, I remember the day after he died and I just really wanted to go and see him. It was one of his best friends, one of my kids. And we came home and two of his friends were sitting at the kitchen table, just 
sitting there because they just wanted to be there. Mm. And it was like they didn't know what to do. So yep. something like this mm. is also invaluable for the friends or maybe members of the family mm. who the are at a loss. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel community, like obviously this podcast was born out of the idea about community and the fact that reaching out to someone who has been there, um, that's the kind of cathartic feeling that you really can't find anywhere else is someone who looks at you and goes, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All I wanted, and if you speak to many, many people who are bereaved, all they want is to speak to someone else who's experienced it. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, mm-hmm. but you just have to find someone who gets it, as you yeah. say. And then that's your lifeline. Mm. You can go, well, that's fine. I'm not going crazy. I'm not the only one in the whole world. You know, let's just get people together. And that's why we've launched our Good Grief pop-up cafes as well we know we want to work out with um, with universities I mean last year a study was put together that nearly 30% 28% of young people between 20 and 24 year old who take their own life have had a bereavement Mm. nearly 30% that is too many people Mm. who are not being found on day one they are literally jumping off of bridges and taking their own lives I mean it's just ridiculous that we have Mm. to wake up to this that it's really a really serious thing Um, and and you know sadly I don't think we have to this point but what is the good news is that I think we are now as a as a nation um, Mm. a lot of celebrities have come out you know it's media led now social media the message is getting out it's really really important because people like we've discussed social media and grief and the pros and the cons and the people who have to put it up straight away Mm. even though they've been asked not to and you know all that sort of stuff but there are also huge positives to social media and grief. I mean, I found it very therapeutic from the point of view of people that were friends of Martin's who lived abroad that got in touch with me through social media. I find I have someone to talk about with kids with on Facebook mm. that are friends of his who might not necessarily see him yeah. or see them rather. Yeah. And also like Twitter as well, mm. you know, keeping in touch. So do you find social media helps you? Or I mean, I was pretty private. I mean, I've mm. always worked in television. I've always worked, you know, sort of in the media. But my private life is my private life. But I mm. feel like I've taken a truth pill since mm. Graham died. It's like, I've got to tell everyone. I've got to tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm out there just saying stuff, you know. But I find that's the point. I mean, our Facebook page has reached a million people just wow. after Christmas. We have something like 186,000 engagements. You know, there is a forum where people just need to offload. Mm. And we get together with the communities and it's so so brilliant that and yes you know a lot of people um, are very private and they don't want to share their grief and that's absolutely fine and that's the whole mm-hmm. point with grief we are completely unique but many many people need, need to. Yeah. to offload and social media is a fantastic way and of course for us uh, we have over 600 local regional and national mm-hmm. organisations now on the, we- on the website you know across the country so those people are now finding those little places the coffee shop or the mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. or the big national channel that is right for them or the telephone line you know yeah, yeah. So through social that media don't know about what you guys do I actually I actually landed on your website before I knew I was doing this interview um, and a completely uh, related to the podcast someone had come to us and said that they had lost someone to suicide and they were struggling and they wanted some kind of sense of community um, somewhere near them and they you could tell that they were they were going through a difficult time, and um, I was I was just searching for something. Yeah. And basically, when I landed on your site, it basically is a home for every possible resource that's out there. So you guys, it must be kind of an interesting thing to work with so many different people. How do you kind of 
cover that? How do you make sure that you've got all the different, as you said, cafe meetups and church mm. things? And Well, we're trying to build it day by day so that new people come um, and join the database all the time. We get people emailing us and say, look, you know, we live in Inverness and we've got this little support group. Can you share it? And we mm. add that. So people go on our UK support page. They type in their postcode um, and the area they live in and whether they've lost a child, parent, sibling, friend, colleague. And their local support base will come up. And a choice will come up. So maybe 10 different um, choices will come up in that area. Obviously, there are many areas where there are not many support groups, so they will have to maybe go further afield. But generally, they would just put their postcode Mm. in. And then we've got helplines, every Mm. national helplines on there, Mm. every daytime, every evening. Mm. So we just try and keep in touch with everybody. And if they don't get in touch with us, hopefully through, again, social Mm. media, Mm. we find little places that are doing incredible Mm. work and we just keep adding them. Yeah, it's something that, like... I would actually go, this is a brilliant idea because at home there's nothing No, there's nothing like, like that this. in Ireland, no. That's what we need to do next. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just wondering about the, the process of setting up because we have a situation at home and if you want to set up a charity, you, I think it's something... I wouldn't quote me exactly on this, but you have to have a full-time member of staff. It takes a year or two. Like It's really, really stringent, the laws right. around setting up charity. So what, how would you advise, what would you say to somebody who wanted to do something like this? Yeah, I mean, the Charity Commission are really helpful. Um, yeah, we had to reach a certain fundraising level mm-hmm. and then to, to in order to get registered. And then once you're registered, you're sort of good to go, really. You have to obviously keep logging in with mm-hmm. them and you have to, you know, produce accounts and audits and everything else but generally if you work hard Mm. and you show that you're a reputable organisation not for profit Mm. there shouldn't be a problem in putting a charity I Mm. mean obviously everything is hard work Mm. we're completely voluntary all our board of trustees are women who have lost their husbands you know we're all working for absolutely nothing just with passion and dedication hopefully we'll get some you know really big funding Mm. soon but at the moment we just do a few fundraising events here and there to fund our good grief cards and our umbrellas Mm. but you know we put our time in for nothing and that's because we know that it's It's really really needed and it's coming back tenfold Mm. hundredfold the one choice that you guys made and I don't know how much you thought about it but I actually think segmenting the the loss so parent child Mm. partner friend is actually I've never seen that done anywhere before and it's such a generous way mm. of approaching things because I think oftentimes they might feel like they're in the wrong group or this group you know if certainly if I I you know I've never lost a child I I would when I'm around people like that I, I want to give them that respect to kind of have a very open space where they could talk about that and I wouldn't feel like that would be where I should be I think segmenting it like that was really, really thoughtful. Was that something you guys thought a lot about? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Because, as I said, because you do need to speak to somebody in that category, Mm. if you like. And also you need to do it quite quickly Mm. and simply because... The fog of grief is crazy. So, again, you know, for for the little card that we've produced, we hope that the friends and family will take one and keep it in their wallet or put it on their fridge or something so that they know instantly they can get into the Mm. website. But for the bereaved, even on that first paragraph, we've got to click through to newly bereaved page. So specifically to the newly bereaved to say to them, look, you know, within one line, they can find that they are not going mad, that Mm. there maybe would be physical symptoms that they're going through Mm. that could help them. Again, for friends and family, we've got to 
page for them because it's so key not to say the wrong thing or to say something that, you know, I've lost so many really, really dear friends because they don't really know how to cope with it. They don't really want to get involved in grief and it's too depressing and then I'm thinking, oh, hang on. So all these, you know, Mm. messages we need to get out quite quickly to people. So those categories were really, really key, really, really key. And to click through on a photograph straight to that page. And we have a YouTube channel that has over 120 videos that we've Mm. filmed specifically with people who have lost a child, a parent, a sibling, friend, as well as the professional. So you've got Hospice UK there. You've got one of our patrons, Fiona Murphy, who won the MBE uh, for her work in bereavement support. And she gives such incredible advice. Esther Ranson, who I think is amazing, set up brilliant charities, Mm. is also giving advice and and saying how fabulous it is to have that resource where not only the bereaved but the health professionals those who work with the bereaved can find it because we've had often tweets from nurses saying please help please help Mm. you know I'm somewhere I can't find anything specific for this family because their child's died and you know they also don't Mm. have the time in their day to do it that's so brilliant that they're reaching out to you I mean nurses Mm. obviously are the most wonderful people on earth as we all know but the fact that they don't have the resources Mm. is Incredible. And they don't have the language. I mean, mm. I literally had an, a young nurse say to me the other day, they were freaking out when a patient's um, wife was, um, the patient had died and the wife was absolutely beside herself, obviously. Mm. And they had nothing to say to her. They, tra- mm. pr- trouble is, um, they are not really trained. They mm. are not trained. The young nurses and the young doctors, sadly, are not really trained in bereavement support. We do need to do that. And I know there is a mm. lot of work mm. around that. And, you know, employers mm. and everyone else just goes on and on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say... I'm, amazing nurses and doctors yeah. that just Fantastic. were just incredible mm, I yeah. mean just I that's think such a, like, but I, I think it is and we've talked a lot mm. about that about language and about how doctors speak to mm. patients and how the whole general idea of language around grief anyway and even on the plane we were talking about at least at least <laughs> oh, the at old least, at least yeah. you know, yeah. at least yeah. tilt yeah. the head yeah. um, <laughs> yes. and yes. you know the sort of oh gosh I think that's one of the biggest things is language we, and how to yeah. speak to people Venetia and I connected on that pretty much yeah. right away I think we both felt co- that we wanted to start the podcast in a way to kind of challenge those ideas about teaching people to challenge themselves a little bit and say okay I was going to say at least yes but maybe <laughs> I won't say at least yes. <laughs> and maybe I'll think about something else you know to say yeah. you mentioned the truth pill which I totally completely relate to and it's like you can't go back no you've you taken can't. the truth pill <laughs> yeah. but you know when you see behind for me it was I felt like it was like seeing behind the curtain or something and then I like well now I can't I can't unsee it. Exactly. I felt like I've walked into a room and I've seen exactly that. I've seen it and you can't walk out that room Mm. now. You've seen it. And as much as you don't want to see it, you have. Mm. And and I feel like I've got an obligation to do that, you know, Mm. because all the way along, sadly, I had quite negative experiences. You know, um, yes, a lot of it was amazing and people were trying their best, but actually there were a lot of things that went wrong. Mm. And I think (laughs) for some reason that was because I needed to know what went wrong in mm. order to try and then help improve. Mm. Um, which is one of the reasons we also started a year ago the new all-party parliamentary group, group for bereavement support of Parliament. Because again, I went straight to Parliament and I thought, well, let's go to the top. What yeah. are they doing? Mm. You know, what are we doing in Westminster to try and help people? Mm. And there wasn't very much, to be honest. So again, we found an amazing um, MP called um, Carolyn Harris, who lost her little boy, sadly. Mm. Um, he walked out into the road when he was eight oh, and he God, died. God. And she was a barmaid at the time and couldn't afford his funeral. So 
so now she's in Parliament and she does incredible work and she has abolished all funeral costs for children. So, you know, and again, we're working very, very closely and which is what Esther Ransel said to me. She said, you have to, Linda, get everyone round a table, get everyone working together in collaboration. And that's exactly mm. what we've done. We've got Great Ormond Street, we've got Cruz, we've got, you know, the little charities, the individuals, mm. the people who really, really suffered. All round the table, we've got the imam, we've got, you know, the rabbi. You know, that's what we do need to do is actually just share our skills, share mm. our experience, share our knowledge mm. and help, you know, mm. as soon as we can, really, because people are, are dying, mm. you know, all the time. About it. Yeah, yeah, clearly. And listening. Yeah. Obviously. Thank you. Hey, Linda, so thank much. you. You're so wonderful. welcome. Thank you. thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 